I have invited Forrest White to come and share with us this morning briefly. Uh, Forrest is our director of missions here in the church, a remarkable young man. Uh, We've been very blessed to have him. He's one of the best-kept secrets in our church, and uh, you need to know what he's been doing and what he wants to do, and and, uh, let's encourage him. Forrest, come and share with us, will you? I know that we've had some teams to go down there to work in the area. And uh, in no way that I could do that kind of stuff. Got to clean up all that. What, what, how could you use somebody like me? Well, um, I'm glad you asked. Um, so... Um, the week that we went down there, or the, we went down there on the last Thursday of April and worked Friday and Saturday and then came back. The Monday of that week, I got a call while I was in Nashville from the Conference Disaster Recovery Office, and they said to me, uh, we've got a project that we want to see if you'll consider. And I said, well, you don't even need to tell me what it is, because I believe that whether we go to serve across the street or to southwest Florida or to the other side of the world, that we go and we show up and we try to let God work through us with whatever the need is. They were especially concerned about the lady on that video. She was so despondent because her neighbors had complained about her yard being still such a mess all those months after Hurricane Ian that code enforcement had been um, had gotten involved and she was facing a pretty serious fine. And quite frankly, after all those months of being overwhelmed, she was ready to give up. And they were truly afraid she was going to take her own life. So we showed up and we helped her to go through all the things that she had had covered or in sheds or in storage there. Um, And everybody here right now is seated but me. So that's proof right there that you can make a difference, as Riley said, on a team like this. Because as she prepared to go through her most prized possessions, the artwork her children did in elementary school that she had kept... Her mother's death certificate, her father's retirement awards, all ruined by the the storm surge of Ian. She said, I was hoping another hurricane would come and just blow it all away so I wouldn't have to do this. All I did was sit there. I sat beside her just a few feet away. Didn't say anything. What could you say to someone going through something like that? But there is great ministry and presence. Some of you have more uh, skills in the area of home repair. We'll find a place for you there. Some of you have great gifts in encouraging and um, loving people. Just how you find them, we'll use your gifts there. Or more precisely, God will use your gifts there. So, we have two teams scheduled for the fall, October 12th through the 14th. Again, a Thursday through Saturday with two full work days. Susan Earhart, who has a great heart for disaster recovery ministry, is leading a team that weekend. And then, Lord willing, the weekend of Veterans Day, the 9th through the 11th, I will be leading a team then. So we just show up and we just trust that God will speak both through us and to us when we go to serve. And at the 9.30 service, I caught Riley off guard with this, but he knows it's coming this time because I felt like on the way to church this morning, the Holy Spirit moved 
me to share with you something, and I'll tie it back together here in a second. Um, I didn't know Riley until he started in this interim role in January. That's hard to believe. And I was having a conversation with our new senior pastor, Charlie Reeve, and I said, I don't have many regrets from my time at first, but one huge regret is that no one came to me on the morning that I moved into my office in July of 2018 and said, get in my car, there's somebody I want you to meet. And that they didn't take me to meet Riley then. Riley, you have encouraged me, affirmed me, pushed me, loved me, made me so much better in your brief time here. And I think all of us here could say that and see that for his great ministry that God has done through him, both at first and all the many places he has served. So what I'll say to you to tie this up to tie it together is, as we remember the Holy Spirit today, because of the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit, each of us here is as capable of changing the world as Riley has been through all the years that he showed up and said, here am I, send me, prayed for the Holy Spirit to work through him, and we all know how powerfully that has has happened. So lastly, Riley, I want to say to you that I love you, I appreciate you, and that too is the truth, my friend. Thank you. As far as I thank you that I could go down there now. I know you have another ministry that we have, that you're looking for volunteers to help you with that too. It's gleaning, picking uh, the leftover fields. We have squash, watermelons, blueberries, blueberries tomatoes, and you never know when that's going to be. And I think what a great thing it would be. Now, I can't do that now. I am age-challenged. <laughs> but I think about how I would have loved to have done that during the summer when I was a young person. So if you, any of you young people would want to be doing that, get in touch with this man. He needs your help. And the food that you pick goes to feed the hungry. What a great ministry. Thank you very, very much for all you do. It is great for us. God bless you. We just have so many ministries in this church, and we need to know about it, and so we can support it that much more. I've selected a passage of Scripture out of the book of Acts, the second chapter, the first 13 verses. Uh, I'm reading out of the King James Version. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one set on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men, from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together 
and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. They were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Then comes a series of names of places that are very hard to pronounce and my grits get in the way. (laughs) Arabs and Cretans, we hear them speaking in their own tongues of the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Others mocking said, they're full of new wine. Let's be in the spirit of prayer together. Oh, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would come and dwell with us. Fill this place, oh, Lord, with a sense of your presence, just as you did of old. Enable us to be who you would want us to be. We cannot do that on our own. We, we, we need and wait for your Holy Spirit and ask for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, this is Pentecost Sunday. We gather to remember the birth of the church. The disciples were all gathered with one accord in the upper room, waiting for the Holy Spirit to come as Jesus had promised them. It's kind of interesting to note that this is one of those years where in the same week that we celebrate Pentecost, we also remember the experience of John Wesley at Aldersgate when on May the 24th in 1778, he experienced his Pentecost and brought forth the birth of the Wesleyan movement, the Methodist Church. He put it this way, my heart was strangely warmed. Such a kind and gentle way the Holy Spirit came upon him, so different from the kind of experience on first Pentecost, the mighty rushing wind, so so dramatic with the flames of fire that settled upon each of those who were gathered there. But it only shows us that the Holy Spirit moves in different ways, And comes, every Pentecost has its own uniqueness. But there are some things I want you to notice about the Pentecost that we celebrate today. Notice that they were gathered with one accord. That means that they were in tune with each other. Being in accord means that uh, they're united, they're joined, that they're in agreement And how fortunate that they were in such a spirit as they waited for the Holy Spirit. I have uh, have noticed, uh, perhaps shared with you before, that there are uh, three generations of younger people today who are highly critical of the church. Uh, And I've listened to them. There are five things that I have heard them say. They have said that the church is self-centered. The church is 
racially discriminating. The church is homophobic. The church is hypocritical. And the church is boring. And you have to confess that what they've said is true. Because in a church this size, in a church made up of so many different types of people, you're going to find every one of those things. You are going to find those things that they've complained about. Let's be honest about it. What they're saying is has some truth in it. I, uh, for some years, I, I served in Leesburg, Florida. A little town up in central Florida, 12,000 people in the town. And uh, down on Main Street was Jack Wilson's Barber Shop. And uh, Jack Wilson was at one time been the mayor of the town. And it was in his barber shop that the major decisions, not only of Leesburg, but of the whole world were made. (laughs) And I found it uh, a good place to go. Not only to get your hair cut, but to have fellowship with with the people that gathered there. Now, Jack was a very faithful member of First Baptist Church, and he knew everybody in town. And uh, yet, you have to know that I would not let Jack Wilson cut my hair. I always used a different barber. I had a hard time trusting a Baptist, I guess. <laughs> But one day I was seated in the chair and the rest of the crowd was there and in walked a couple, a man and his wife. And she had a rather sour look on her face. And Jack said, well, we're glad you're here. He said, just have a seat. It won't be long. They'll have an open chair. And uh, the woman, he was talking to the man, but the woman answered and said, well, We hope it won't be long. And uh, so Jack said, you folks are new in town. And uh, she answered, yes, we are. And he said, uh, well, we hope you like living in Leesburg. And she said, well, we'll see about that. So then he said, well, listen, if you're looking for a good church, First Baptist is the best church in town. But if you went second best, the Methodist church is second best. And this is the preacher right here. And she said, we don't go to church. Too many hypocrites. I said, yeah, I know what you mean. I said, do you know who the biggest hypocrite in our church is? Boy, you could hear a pin drop in that barbershop. I said, uh, I am. I am the biggest hypocrite in the church. And then I said, but you know, there's room for one more. (laughs) But let's confess the fact that we're hypocrites, that we're sinners. And that this is where we are united, actually, where we're in one accord. We are all people who stand in need of a Savior. We're all people who stand in need of being fixed, being repaired, being restored. So we are in one accord 
when we agree that we are in need of being blessed by Jesus. So they were in one accord. But then uh, I want you to notice as well that uh, they, uh, they spoke in tongues that the Spirit gave them uh, ability to speak. But it was not in the speaking that was so powerful. It was in the hearing of the Word. I have long realized that that uh, preaching is not so strong in the preaching as it is in the hearing of the Word. The people heard in their own language. That was the spiritual blessing that came. They heard. They heard the word. In that same community in Leesburg, I I served the church there for seven years. And uh, there was a a couple who sang in the choir. And they had a a little girl. And uh, they didn't want the little girl to uh, be too far away from them. So... Sandy sat right on the front row of the of the church every Sunday while the parents sang in the choir. And she would color during my sermon. I think Sandy probably was only five, uh, maybe six years old uh, when I started being her pastor. And some of her drawings, when she first started with, We'd just be coloring all over the page, different colors. But she had the practice of every Sunday after church, she would stand and wait while everybody spoke to me. Her parents would have to wait for her. And then she would so proudly present to me her work of art for that day. I wish I'd have kept a file of them because it was interesting how she grew in her artistic work. After having colored all over the page, she started doing stick figures. And then she did scenes where there would be a sun up in the corner and clouds in the the sky. And then as she grew even older, she began to uh, pick up something in the sermon that she would do a painting, a drawing of. And one Sunday after church, she, she came up to me with her, her offering of the day. And I took it and looked at it briefly. It was a turtle that she had drawn. And the turtle had a balloon uh, so you could, it could speak. And it said, drop me off at the Methodist church. I'm tired. Oh, I said, what a great painting. I just love this piece of artwork. And I took it and took it home, laid it on my desk. The next morning and I was doing my devotions, that was what I saw sitting on the desk. And I began to wonder, what in the world did I say in my sermon that would cause a little girl to, to draw a, a turtle saying, drop me off at the Methodist church, I'm tired. So I went back and went over my sermon notes to find out what it was. Very, very briefly, I said, didn't Jesus say something about, come unto me, 
all ye who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You see, the Holy Spirit spoke to that little girl and caused her to draw a picture of a turtle, saying, drop me off the Methodist church. I'm tired. God speaks in many ways to us. The Holy Spirit gives us the truth, and we recognize the truth. We know the truth. We appreciate the truth. I remember when I was in Miami, there would be signs that would say, Spanish is spoken here. And I saw a church that said, love is spoken here. I believe that is the language that God gives to us, most of all and best of all. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, there is a love that is expressed. And we hear and sense that love. We sense that word of truth. But then I want you to note that they were filled. The scripture says that the Holy Spirit filled all that were in the house. Wow. It was a fullness that was given. They, They all were filled. I think the church is at its best when it is in a mode of filling hearts of people. The church is in its best when we are a filling station. And I think that's why we come to church on Sunday. Our, uh, Our spiritual tanks are running on empty. And we need to have them filled again. And this is what we do in corporate worship. This is the meaning of corporate worship. We gather together to wait for the filling of the Holy Spirit. And it comes and fills all that are in the house. One of the concerns that I have about the post-COVID church is how people have, uh, have so many, many people join us in worship online. They're not in the house. They're online. And is it possible? Of course it's possible. But does it happen that the filling of the Holy Spirit moves even out of the walls of the church, even out of the room of the holy, uh, of the upper room? Does it go out to those people who watch online? And there is a need, a human need for us to gather together in corporate worship and fill each other and be filled by each other. There's a need for us to have the human touch, the human presence. What will happen to those who now come in the house to worship? Will they rust away or will they stay faithful? Will they, will they remain a part of the church community? Will they continue to be filled as we're filled? All of these things are things that concern me about the post-COVID church. But I love the idea that we're a filling station. That we can come and gather together and be renewed and restored and filled by the Holy Spirit again. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is an enabling spirit. 
It enables us to hear the truth, to know the truth, to practice the truth. The Holy Spirit is a power, a power to love, to love one another, to love even the people we don't like, to love even the people we don't agree with. It is the power to love. And that is a great love. The proof of the Holy Spirit, one of the manifestations, perhaps the main manifestation of the Holy Spirit is is their love. That's what Paul meant in that church when he wrote to the church at Corinth. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not love, I am a noisy gong. The Holy Spirit gives us a heart of love that is greater than even our angers and prejudices. The Holy Spirit is a comforting spirit. Jesus said, a new new comforter I will give you. He's speaking of the Holy Spirit. And those of us who struggled through the shadowed valley understand and know what he's talking about. That comforting presence. It gives us a sense of peace, even in the midst of our our grief and sorrow. The Holy Spirit is a spirit of direction. When we get confused and don't know where to go, we hear him say, this is the way. Walk ye in it. Sometimes we call it a conscience, but it's the Holy Spirit of God that dwells within us. It gives us a direction in life. The Holy Spirit is the power to do greater things than he has done. Jesus said that about you and about me. Greater things will you do than I have done because I go to the Father. Greater things. The greater things that we can do because of the Holy Spirit, we can feed the hungry. We can clothe the naked. We can visit the imprisoned. And as we've done it to the least of these, we've done it unto him. I want a church that is in accord with the Holy Spirit. So I pray, Lord, do it again. Do it again in this upper room. Do it again in my life. Do it again in the church I love. Breathe on me and breathe on us the holy breath of God. Because, Lord, that is what we need. And that is what he gives us. And that's the truth. Amen. And now may the blessings of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you, abide with you, and keep you in his peace, grace, and glory, now and forever and forever and forevermore. Amen.